welcome to the Grace Hill Podcast, a weekly podcast of our Sunday messages driven by our pastor. Grace Hill exists to bring God's biblical truth to your everyday life. As we begin this week's message, we invite you to open your Bibles and capture what God has in store for you today. Well, good morning, uh, and, and we're excited to be working through the book of Philippians. And I'm, I'm trying to not be too distracting because of my finger, and we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, I just... We'll just say I'm very dedicated to preaching the word, right? We'll just, we'll just call it that. So we'll get to that in a minute. But we are working through the book of Philippians. We started last week in chapter one, and we are condensing this into four weeks. We could go on and on and on in the book of Philippians, but we're condensing it to four weeks. And so last week, we talked through the first 11 verses of Philippians, and, and, and we worked through what Paul was writing and saying to the Philippians there, and, and talking about the joy that they bring him, even in his trials, even while he's in prison and in chains, awaiting trial, right? He, even in that, he said, you know, you bring joy to my life. So finding joy, even when uh, there are struggles and difficulties in life. And Paul's talking about these things and expressing the love that he has for the people in, in, in Philippi and, and how great, you know, just showing all of that and talking about how as a body, as believers together to find joy and love in one another, finding joy in our church family, right? And, and in the body that, that we have. And so being together, it's an incredible uh, thought and challenge from Paul last week, who was then in, in fact pr- imprisoned. And so this week we're going to continue on and we're going to jump into Philippians chapter 2. We're going to go through the first 18 verses of Philippians chapter 2 uh, as quickly as possible uh, without going verse by verse, but we will kind of go section by section through those verses to bring clarity and understanding uh, and apply it today. But I want to start by talking about a, a great baseball player that we all know of by the name of Ted Williams. And you may not know of Ted Williams, but Ted Williams is known as, in a lot of circles, as the greatest hitter of all time. In fact, he was a phenomenal hitter and it was said of him that he doesn't care if he's just, basically he said the statement of this, that I don't care if I'm lousy in the field, if I'm not a great fielder, I want to be known as the greatest hitter of all time. But here's what happened with, with Ted Williams is that he became a very prideful and arrogant person. And in fact, he's, he's credited with the statement of it's not bragging if you can do it. It's a pretty bold statement. Like it's not bragging. It's just facts at that point, right? It's not bragging if you can do it. And I found that, you know, Ted Williams becomes this very arrogant, very prideful man, but a great baseball player. But then you fast forward to his managerial career and he started managing teams and things weren't quite so great for Ted Williams. In fact, he struggled. In fact, if you know uh, any of Texas Rangers history, you know that he spent a stint in a short while as the manager of the Rangers and he looked just like the rest of them. And uh, except for the exception of two and he struggled. It was awful. And I often wonder how different would it have been for Ted Williams if he was a man of humility? Would God have honored his humility and allowed him to be a greater manager than he was? But, but we find this very arrogant man and I wonder what it does to relationships in his world and how things may have been severed or, or, or pushed away because of his pride. There are often times in lives when we need to be humbled and we need to operate in humility. So yesterday, that brings me to this. Yesterday... I was headed to my house with my father-in-law, and I've been doing a lot of the work on the house and doing a lot of different things with help of, of several other people, but uh, we had gotten to the point to where we just had a little bit of sheetrock left to hang. In fact, the night before, Lauren helped me hang sheetrock. It was great. She is just a natural in construction, so if you need any help uh, hanging sheetrock, uh, painting houses, uh, if you need, I'm just kidding. She's going, please stop at this very moment. Quit talking. 
So we hung some sheetrock and we ran out. And I was like, you know what? Well, I'll get more sheetrock tomorrow. And so her dad, my father-in-law was going to help me. And I was kind of proud in the moment to be like, I'm ready for him to see all the work that I've done and, and the blood, sweat and tears, uh, literally blood uh, that I had put into this house and the work that I had done. And, and very proud to say, I'm going to show him how great I am at all of this construction stuff. I'm going to show him how, how, how skilled I am and how much you know, ability I have in doing this. And we go in and we measure, we get everything prepped for the first sheet of sheetrock that's going to go up in our bathroom and we're getting it all prepped and ready to go. And literally we are cutting the first piece of sheetrock on the very first cut. And I get it all the way cut down and I get to the end and I was being really smart and decided to cut on top of our flooring, um, in our wood floors. And I decided I don't want to gash the floors on accident. I don't want to nick the floors. So I turned the knife around to go back the other way. Immediately knowing as soon as I went and hit my finger with the knife that um, it was a bad idea. And it, and it wasn't a moment, you know, adrenaline kicks in and so you don't really feel the pain. I grabbed my finger and I looked at my father-in-law and I said, I got myself. And he goes, let's see. And I opened it up and it's just blood, right? And it's just running. And, and it was that moment of, Ryan, you idiot. You knew better than this. That was stupid, right? And that was the moment I have. There was more frustration than anything, but, but it was that moment of, I'm gonna show you how awesome I am, how great I am. And then all of a sudden it all comes crashing in as humility hits me hard in that moment. And I think what Paul is, what we're going to find here in chapter two is that Paul is dealing with working out of humility, living out of humility. And that from that, that we find that God lifts us up. In fact, I think the theme that we find and the big idea that we find today is that, that whenever we lower ourselves, God lifts us up. But on the flip side of that, whenever we lift ourselves up, we find ourselves being lowered and finding ourselves being humbled by our own actions and our own doing. So let's jump into Philippians chapter two. Like I said, we're gonna read the first 18 verses uh, and we'll do this kind of quickly uh, so that we can save ourselves as much time to walk through it as possible. And it says this, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others." In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do nothing without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain, 
but even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that you have spoken to us through your word, that you have given us your word so that we can be led by you, that it can be a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path, that we can take it, we can apply it, and we can use it uh, in our daily lives even now. So, Father, I pray that as we work through this, that, that you reveal to us what you are intending for us to hear today and what you want us to learn today. And we thank you for it. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. So when we lower ourselves, God lifts us up. I think that's what Paul's trying to express here in this moment to the people of Philippi, to the Philippians. He's trying to say, when we lower ourselves, God lifts us up. So it's about us saying, okay, I am not not greater than I think I am. I'm not better than I think I am. I am going to humble myself and submit myself to the will of God and to his leading. And out of that, God in turn will lift us up. So let's work through this. So first things first, uh, I think there's three things that I want to really pull and and focus in on. Um, The first one is this, if you share in Christ, then love one another above self. If you share in Christ, love one another above self. I'm going to key in through this little portion on the first four verses here, through verse one, through four. But, but what, what we find is that Paul starts this portion with if statements, right? And these are more rhetorical than they are actual like, hey, answer this, you know, answer me this, you know, have you ever felt comfort and tenderness from the love of God? Do you share in the spirit? Nobody's saying, he's saying this, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. And so last week we talked about how, how the Philippians bring joy to Paul, even in his chains and where he's at, even in that moment. And he's saying this, make my joy complete. Make my joy complete. Make it, let my joy be lacking nothing. Let it be fully fulfilled. Let my joy be, be complete. And so what we're finding is that, that Paul is, is dealing with a specific issue taking place within the church in Philippi. So he loves them dearly. He says, y'all are, are wonderful men and women of God. You, you love the Lord and you're doing great things. And I, I find joy in you knowing that you are doing the work that the Lord has called you to do. And you are carrying that forward, even in my absence, but there is still issues within the church that I want to address and I want to talk about. And this is what Paul's doing. He's saying, uh, there are, are, are specific people in here quarreling and talking, right? And this is not me saying that about Grace Hill. This is what Paul is saying about the Philippians. So understand uh, and hear the, the clarity in that statement. But, but Paul is saying, listen, there's struggles that we're dealing with and that you're having to work through. And, and, and if you've experienced the love of Christ, if you share in this same spirit, if you've experienced the compassion and the tenderness, and, and, and in essence, and he's saying, I know you have, I know that you share in the love of Christ. I know that you, you share in the spirit. And I know these things. And so because of that, let's work together in a like-minded mindset and saying, place yourself on the back burner, right? We live in a world that, that, that seeks self, right? We live in a world that, that naturally desires to promote themselves, naturally desires to do what they can to get ahead, right? We live in a world full of selfish ambition, where people are working their tails off to get ahead. And there's nothing wrong with working hard to get ahead, right? There, there's, there's nothing. In fact, the Bible talks very, very strongly about those, you know, if, if you do not work, you do not eat, right? So in, in essence, work hard so that you can keep eating, right? And keep moving forward. Right? There's, there is nothing wrong with moving forward and fighting for that. But the, the issue that we struggle with and that we run into is when it becomes a selfish feeding. And it's no longer about those around us. It's no longer, I'm working so that my family can have a better life. I'm working so that, so that my kids can have a better life in the future and things of that nature, but it becomes a selfish gain. So we're seeing this happen in the church in Philippi where people are staking their claim and asserting themselves so that they can receive more out of the church in some way. 
So they're setting themselves forward saying, no, this is how it should be. This works best for me. And Paul's seeing it going, okay, no, you are seeking a selfish idea and desire within the church. You are trying to please yourself and get what you can out of the church. And he's saying, if you've shared in Christ, if you have the love of Jesus, set that aside and, and then allow yourself to put others before you. Set your selfish motives and ideas aside and allow others in turn to be placed ahead of you. So Paul's dealing with this and he's working through this. And he's saying, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit in humility. In humility, value others above yourselves and not looking to your own interests, but each of you to, to the interest of others. So here we have Paul introducing the word humility into chapter two. He's introducing this theme that he's gonna carry on for the next several verses as we work through this. He's, he's bringing forth the idea of humility. And I've heard it said this, that, that humility is not thinking lowly of yourself. Humility is not thinking of yourself at all. So it's saying, you know what, I'm, I'm gonna focus on others. It's not that you have a low perception of yourself, that you decrease the value that God has placed in you, right? We are, we, 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 our identity is found in Christ and Christ calls us, we are who God says we are, right? And so it's not a matter of suppressing that or pressing that down and saying, okay, I'm, I'm gonna be humble in, my, in who I think I am. No, 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 humility in, in essence is saying, okay, I'm going to put the thoughts of myself aside and focus on others, and seek others, and, and how can I lift them up? How can I value them? And so what we find here in, in the Greek, and I know I do this all the time, so I apologize. I, I have been told, keep bringing the Greek, right? Um, it gets crazier in a little bit because I actually read the Greek translation to, okay, so I'm a nerd, and so just roll with it. That's just, that's how it is. So the word vain conceit, when, when Paul uses vain conceit, what we find is it's the meaning of, of a pride without basis or justification, which is pretty strong. He's like, you're seeking things out of vain conceit. You are, are striving for things out of a pride that is not justified. He's basically calling them out saying, you think too highly of yourself. That there's no basis for the pride that you have. You are not as great as you think you are. So remove that idea and stop seeking those things. So what I love about Paul is Paul, he does not sugarcoat things. He says things as they are, how he sees it. He calls them out and just lays it out there and says, deal with it. And that's how Paul's handling this one. He's saying, don't seek anything out of vacancy. You do not have the value or the worth. This is what Paul's telling the people in Philippi. In Philippi he's saying, so don't seek those things out of vain conceit. Your selfish ambition is based on a pride that has no justification. When you hear that and when you read it like that, you go, Oh, thanks, thanks, Paul. I feel this big right now. And I think Paul would go, That's, okay, great. But remove that thought and just focus on others instead. Humility says, I'm gonna remove who I think I am. I'm gonna set that aside completely. And I'm just gonna place the value, valuing others above myself. So in essence, everybody in the church taking, he's saying, this is what y'all need to do. You need to remove who you think you are and then place everybody else above you in your value system. He says, if you share in the same spirit, share in the same mindset, take on this mind and, and begin to walk, walk in this, this, this uh, new process of thinking, this new way of thinking, remove the self and begin to adopt a mindset that says, I'm going to value others. I'm going to value others. Um, when we lower ourselves, God lifts us up. When we operate in humility, when we say, okay, I, I, I place myself below others, I'm going to put others before me we'll find that, that God in turn says, 
I'm going to honor you and exalt you because of that. And that's not why we operate in humility. We operate in humility because we want to be obedient to the word of God. We operate in humility because we've experienced the love of Jesus. In fact, here's, here's where Paul goes. And as we keep reading in verse 5, it says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. The same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, if you share in Christ, then have the mindset of Christ. We need to have the mindset of Christ. There's a few things that I want to look at as we walk through this, uh, because um, if you read the, the, the linear Greek version of the text, this is essentially the essence that we find from verse 5. It says this, Let the mind that is in Christ be in you also. So the word let then gives us the thought and the idea that it is our responsibility. It is our choice. We get to choose to have the mind of Christ. Because it is, he's saying, let it, allow it. So it's, it's saying, you give permission to the mind of Christ, right? You get to control and decide whether or not you are going to live and operate within the mind of Christ. So it's, it's not this, here's the craziest thing. So this is one of those great conversations about, about man's free will and the sovereignty of God and the balance of the two, right? And this is, and, and we'll save the full conversation for another day. But what we find is that we have the opportunity to choose the mind of Christ. We have the opportunity to say, okay, I accept the mind of Christ. I choose to think like Jesus. Now, obviously you would say, okay, well, that's a bit prideful to think that we could have the opportunity to think like Jesus. Obviously, yes, there, I can see the, para, you know, the, the paradox that we find ourselves in. But, but what Paul is saying is you have the opportunity to choose to work to be like Christ, to think like Christ, to act like Christ. And what, he find, what we find out is as he continues, this is, this is a, great, a great statement. He says, you know, Jesus did not consider himself being equal with God. Even though he was equal, he did not use that as an opportunity for his own advantage. See, Jesus, you think about this, you talk about the, the, the purest form of humility is that he gave up his heavenly body. He gave up living in heaven with the Father to come to earth and to take on the, the very nature of man, the human nature of man, which means now he's susceptible to temptation, which we find and we read that, that he was tempted in the wilderness. But then I would only imagine that as a child, because he grew up as a baby and as a child, he didn't come out walking and running and with all, all of the, the, the coordination that you would find in an adult, right? So there were probably bumps and bruises and scrapes and cuts. Uh, he may have been spending time in the emergency room uh, at some point in time, which goes, oh, I'm just like Jesus, right? I'm, I'm assuming as much, you know, so that's, you know, I don't ever want to assume too much in scripture. Uh, and there's no context that tells us that he did get a cut of any kind, except for when he hung on the cross, right? Which means that, that he was susceptible to pain, to physical pain. Whereas you remove that and you go, okay, in heaven, there's no pain, there's, there's no sorrow, right? And so he humbles himself to the point of saying, I'm going to give myself over to human nature, I'm going to give myself over to the physical nature where now I am open to, to physical wounds and, and hurts. And he says, I'm not going to use this, even though on earth as man, I, have, I am still equal with God. I'm not going to use this as a means for advantage or a mean for gain, but I'm going to 
humble myself to the position of a servant and, and, and lay my life down, even on a cross, so that we might have salvation. And Paul is then saying, take on the mind of Christ. Choose the mind of Christ. He said, be willing to lay yourself down so low that you are willing to be the servant to those that are around you. He's saying, if Christ is in you, choose then the mind of Christ. Um, I, I've been guilty of trying to use my position and my name uh, for, for gain. So our church is a part of a larger organization. And in, in the U.S., there's 13,000 churches within our organization, almost 3 million uh, people in attendance. Uh, you go worldwide, there's about 370,000 churches within the organization that we're connected to. So we're in a large organization. Now, it, within that, we're, we're broken down from, from national districts, right, into, into sections. And our church would be in what's called the North Texas District. And so growing up, my grandfather was what is called the superintendent of the North Texas District. And so he oversaw all the churches in North Texas. So as a 10, 11-year-old, 12-year-old kid, I thought I had arrived by proximity in relationship to my grandfather. Like, well, do you know who I am? You get outside of our church circle, that name means absolutely nothing. It carries no weight. And I'm like, I'm Derwood Dubos' grandson. And my teacher goes, who is that? So you go to camp, we go to church camp, and at the camp we went to, my grandfather's name is on a building. At this point in life, I go, big deal. They paid for letters, right? Uh, so it actually just cost somebody something to put that, you know, and I go, but as a 12-year-old, the campgrounds are opening for the first time, and there's his name on a building. And I remember being there, and uh, somebody said, hey, you're supposed to be over at the tabernacle, which is this like open air thing where we'd meet with teams and do games and stuff. Supposed to be at the tabernacle. And I go, do what? Just a punk kid. That's who I was. You're supposed to be at the tabernacle. I go, um. This makes it even funnier unintentionally. I recognize that. I recognize that. But I pointed and I go, uh, my name's on that building. I can do what I want. To which the response was, I don't care whose name's on that building. You have to obey me. Get over there. So here's what happened. So eventually, yes, I went. I lost that battle pretty quick. Like it, it, it fell hard. And uh, I had to carry that for years. That one moment that was short, it was a very small moment in my life, growing up within this fellowship of churches and being a part of that, I had to deal with that to the point when a new youth pastor came to our church. Our youth pastor moved on uh, to, to lead a church or something of that nature, and a new youth pastor came in. My reputation of being this punk kid who thought he was somebody special had made it all the way to this youth pastor who came from Wichita Falls. So he comes, and, and he gets there, and, and, his, and his name is Richard Norris, and he is an awesome man. I absolutely love Richard. But I had to deal with this mindset that he had of me of being a punk kid, and honestly, it was probably accurate. And, and just say, so we get in our first like one-on-one -on -one time together and he's like, I want you to know, I don't care who you are or what your last name is. And I'm like, oh, I didn't see this guy. Like, no prerequisite to this conversation of any kind. He just came out and said, I'm not dealing with that. I was like, okay. And then I tried to pull it with him one time and that didn't end up well either. 
But we are guilty of trying to use our position you know, to move ourselves forward, to gain something out of that. Oftentimes, it happens a lot. Not every one of us, but, but I know, goodness gracious, I'm guilty of this probably more often than I would like to admit. But the reality is it gains us nothing in the end. When we try to operate and act out of our pride and our position, we find ourselves being lowered and lowered and lowered. We're finding ourselves being humbled and ultimately it not working for us. And so what we find is that, that, that God is saying, Paul is writing, he said, don't use your position for advantage. Instead, humble yourself. And out of that, let God lift you up. And see, what we find is that, that Jesus then, his name becomes the name that, that every knee must bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord because of his position of humility, because he was humbled even to the point of death and death on a cross so that you and I could, could receive salvation. He takes on the sin of everyone. He who was not sin, he who knew no sin, took on sin for us so that we might have eternal life. That is the ultimate depiction of humility where you're setting aside your thoughts of who you are, you're setting aside your thoughts of your position and all that, that you think that you have gained and accomplished and going, I'm willing to lay it all down for the sake of all people. That is the ultimate example of humility, that Jesus, who was God, who is deity, even though he was in human form, takes on the weight of the world and lays his life down so that everyone else has the opportunity to receive Christ and receive salvation. And Paul is saying this, take on the mind of Christ. Choose the mind of Christ. Choose the mind of Christ. Now, ultimately, yes, is it, a, is it a bit presumptuous to think that we could fully obtain that? Absolutely. But he's saying you have the opportunity and you have the moment and the option in this time to choose the mind of Christ, to allow the mind of Christ to operate within you. And he's saying, humble yourself. And God will lift you up. God will lift you up. The third thing I want to talk about is this. If you share in Christ, continue to work to be like him. Continue to work to be like him. Let's read these last four verses today in verses 12 through 18. Therefore, my dear friends, have you as always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain, but even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice in the service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you so that you too should be glad and rejoice with, with me. Continue to work out your salvation. Continue to work out your salvation. What are we reading here? Is Paul implying that, that our salvation is based on the work that we do, that our, our salvation is not complete, that, that we are having to work, that the moment of, of repentance and acceptance and, and, and confessing Jesus wasn't, wasn't satisfactory and that everything that we have taught up to this point and everything that we've learned at this point is actually just the first step and that it is a continual working, that, that if we stop working, that all of a sudden God goes, no, nah, you didn't make it. Well, no, that's not what we're reading here. He's saying you, you, you have obtained the salvation, right? You've accepted Christ. 
He says, but now there is work still to be done because, and I've talked about this a lot, that it is an ongoing continual process that, that we receive Christ and then we are mandated to continue to grow and to work and to become like Christ. That means that, that we, again, have work to do. We have parts to play within our salvation in the sense of we are to strive to be more and more like Christ. He's saying, continue to work this out. Begin to work in humility. Begin to walk in humility so that you can become like Christ, continuing to become like Christ. And so what we find is that, is that we're, we're seeing that Paul is saying, listen, you've got to work out your salvation, and here's why. I love that about Paul, is that a lot of times when he gives a strong statement or a moral command, that he then follows it up with the why. This is why we do this. And he says, because God is working in you. Because God's working in you, you need to work it out on the outside. You need to do it so that others see it. You need to do it so that you live in such a way that reflects the love of God and the grace that you've already received. So humble yourself. That is a state of humility saying, I'm going to humble myself to the place where I am subject to the will of God. So it's no longer my will, but God's will be done. And we see that reflected also in Christ as we find him in the garden, as he's, as he's praying before the Father, and he's saying, if, if it's your will, God, take this cup from me. In, in other words, he's saying, if, if there's another way I, other than me dying on the cross, if there's a way for me to, to do this, and he says, but in the end, he goes, but not my will, your will be done. And understanding a state of humility and saying, okay, God, in the end, it's not up to me. In the end, it's, it's, not what you, it's not what I want to accomplish and what I want to do or who I think I am or what I've accomplished, but in the end, it's me saying, I surrender myself to the will of God. I surrender myself to who God has called me to be. I surrender myself to where God is leading me, to where God is guiding me. So we, we are to work it out because God is working in us. It is God's work in us that gives us the ability and the motivation to do his good work. It's God's working in us that gives us the motivation to do his good work. Here's where I lo- what I love about Paul. Is, and then he says this, but don't grumble as you work through it. Don't grumble as you work through it. So we find here that, that Paul is probably quoting or, or thinking back to reminiscing of Moses in, in the book of Deuteronomy. And he looks at, Moses looks at the Israelites and, and he says, you are a perverse generation. He calls them a crooked and perverse generation. And he's looking at them and he's frustrated and he's angry. So he tells them, no, this is how you need to be living. This is how we honor God. This is the way we live. And, and, and he's probably thinking, so then we find that the people then grumble back to Moses they grumble back to Moses and they're like, oh, we hate this. We don't like this. You know, take your laws, take your way of living. You can have it. We don't want this. So they're grumbling. They're angry. And so Paul says to, to the people in Philippi, do this without grumbling. I don't want to hear about it. I'm telling you, this is the way you should live. This is what you should do. I don't want to hear about it. Do it without grumbling. How many of you, as, as a child, your parents would tell you to do something and you would be like, I never did that. I was... Uh, I'm lying right now. Um, I'm sure there was a time or two in which I responded back without the most eloquent of, yes, mother dearest, right? Um, there was probably once or twice that I could think of when things didn't go that way. And, and so one of my favorites is always to say, why do I have to do that? And the parents would always say back, because I said so. And you go, well, that's, that doesn't give me much insight. You know, that's where my mind goes. And I have a, a nine-year-old son who has a similar mind and thinking. And he's like, why do I need to do this? And I go, it doesn't matter. I told you to do it. Go do it. So I try to be more eloquent in how I say it a little bit. Like, it doesn't matter. Just do it, right? And he's like, 
but why? Why should I be doing this? What benefit is it to me? Like, what are you keeping me from or what am I accomplishing? I'm like, you're keeping me from having to clean up after you. That's what this is, right? Pick up after yourself. You know, those kind of conversations. And Paul is in essence saying the exact same thing to the people in Philippi. They're going, you know, you got to do this. He's like, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear about it. Clean it up. Fix it. That's how Paul operates. That's how he works. And you read a lot of his letters. There's like, Paul doesn't score high on the gift of mercy. Uh, when you do spiritual giftings, Paul will talk about it, right? He'll write like, and the gift of mercy. And then in parentheses, it got removed. It says, this does not apply to me. I'm just kidding. He didn't say that. You're not going to find that in like the Dead Sea Scrolls or anything. None of that, none of that appears. That is Ryan's edition. You know, so, so Paul just, he's just straight to it. He's like, listen, I don't want to hear any grumbling. As you're working this out, it's going to be difficult. There's going to be moments where you're not going to get it right and you're going to struggle, but in the end, keep working it out. In the end, keep pressing on, keep moving forward. He said, so that you can become pure and blameless, right? So that you can become these beautiful children of God that are working to accomplish the will of God and to do what God has called them. And here's what he says in verse 16. He says this, and then you will shine like stars amongst them. Think about that. This whole time he's been talking about suppress, 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 remove yourself, put others before you, put others ahead of you, put others before you. And then all of a sudden he says, and when you do this, you will shine like stars among them. I can't think of a greater way to be honored by God to all of a sudden where we are operating and walking in humility and we're saying, God, I wanna do your will. I wanna be led by you in all things. I want you to have your way in my life. I, I, I remove myself. I place others before me. I walk in this humility, Lord, that, that you have so, so beautifully depicted for me and, and laid out the perfect example of humility that I can see and I can duplicate and I can try to replicate and walk behind. And as I do that, God says, you're gonna shine like stars among them. There's no greater way to be elevated or to be exalted than to be exalted and elevated by God himself. Where all of a sudden he smiles down and says, you're my child and I want all the world to see the good that you are. And Paul is, Paul is expressive to him and he's saying, I, I, I love that, that he, uh, uh, he says back to him and he says this, but if, even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and the service coming from your faith, he said, you know, I, I don't care if I'm being poured out. I don't care if I'm giving all that I am. I don't care if, if every ounce of me is being poured out for, because of the faith and, and the work that you're doing. I'm glad and rejoice with all of you. I love that. And he says, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. As you were doing these things, rejoice be glad for those around you. Celebrate what, what God is doing through them. Let's, let's exalt them because you're shining like stars. How great would it be if as a church, if, if because of our humility and the way that we value others around us, because of, of walking humbly in the will of God, because of, of listening to the leading of the spirit and being obedient to, to step out and, and to do the work that God is calling us to do. What if that was what caused people to recognize and notice us because we were loving others above ourselves? starting first within here and then spreading out there. I can't think of a greater way to shine bright. And if God is causing you to be illuminated, others around you are gonna see it. Others around you will see it. The glory of God is, is, is an incredible thing, right? And, and, and I won't get into a whole thing about the glory of God, but, but when we begin to work and bring honor to his name and the glory begins to, to, to it's, anyways, it's a whole other deal, a whole other time. And if I start, it's not in my notes and we'll, we'll get way off track, so... I digress. But allowing God to illuminate us, allowing God to cause us to shine like stars. As individuals, yes. 
but as a church body, as, as, as capital C church, the whole church, the church as a whole, so that his name can be lifted up, so that his name is glorified because, because of the humility of Christ. It says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So as we exalt him, as we humble ourselves to a place to where the name of Jesus is glorified and exalted, we find that, that Christ being honored then illuminates and allows us to shine the love of Jesus around us. I invite the worship team to come. I think James 4, 6 says it the best. He says, but he gives us more grace. This is why scripture says, God resists the proud. And in some translations it says, but he shows favor to the humble. Another translation says, but he shows grace to the humble. I think first and foremost, uh, salvation begins with humility. The receiving of Christ begins with humility. Because we have to recognize that, that on our own, we are incapable we are incapable of, of being able to, to save ourselves. There's no salvation on our own. We can never be good enough to obtain righteousness. We can never be good enough to obtain the, the level of righteousness that is required for salvation, right? It doesn't happen on our own doing. There's no way we can do good enough works to ever receive it. So when Paul's saying, you know, work out your salvation, he's not saying that, that it, is, it is a need that, that you will never obtain salvation. He's saying this, he's saying... Continue to pursue humility. Continue to work in these things. Continue to try to be like Christ. It's that process of sanctification. Being more like Jesus every single day. Being more like Christ every single moment. And being aware of those things. It's taking on the mind of Christ. Saying, I'm going to operate in the mind of Christ. I'm going to put others before myself. I'm going to take on the mind of Christ. And I'm going to continue to work to be like Christ. And all that requires humility. Then when we lower ourselves, God lifts us up will shine like stars among them. We will shine like stars among them. Let me pray with you. Father, we love you, God. We thank you, Lord, for your, your grace. We thank you for your mercy. God, we thank you that, that you humbled yourself to a place of being a servant willing to die for us. Jesus, you took our sin. You took our sin. And you put yourself on the cross so that we might have salvation, so that we might have grace. God, and your word declares that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, then we will be saved. God, not one of us in this room is, is, is good enough. So the first step in humility, God, is recognizing that we need somebody else. We need somebody else. Jesus, that was you. That was you. This morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to start with just this first question. If, if you do not know Jesus, if you have not asked Jesus into your heart, I'm going to tell you this. It is the easiest thing in the world. It's the easiest thing in the world. You just simply look at yourself and say, you know what? I'm 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 imperfect. I'm imperfect. I, I, there's, there are so many imperfections in my life. There are so many things in my life and the things that we call sin, right? There's so many things that we've done wrong. I need a savior. And Jesus says, even Paul wrote, and he says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, then you will be saved. 
And it requires, that's it. That's the extent of it. And from there, we begin the process of that continual ongoing work, right? But in that moment, you receive salvation. We are justified in that moment. And if that's you today, if you say, Pastor Ryan, you know what? I need to ask Jesus into my heart. I need to ask him to forgive me of my sins. I need to confess him as Lord. If that's you, on the count of three, if you'll just slip your hand up. One, two, three. Anybody in this room today at all? I see one. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else this morning? I don't, I don't want to let this moment pass. This moment go by. This opportunity pass. Amen. Can we do this as a church? Can we say this prayer together? Can we be unified in this statement? Say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and be Lord of my life forever. Jesus, I confess that you are my Savior. Lead me, guide me all the days of my life. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate that as a church? That is the biggest thing that we could possibly do is to see somebody come to know Jesus. Amen. That is, that is why we exist. That is why we exist see people coming to Jesus. And I want to do one more thing before we go. I see people gathering their things. Hold hold on. We're going to keep one more thing I want to do. And this may require a a bit more effort. And it may require a bit of humility. Uh, But I want to do this. If you would say, you know what, Pastor Ryan, I need to work on humility. And, and I, I would be the first to tell you that, that I'm, I always need to work on humility. Uh, anytime I have a win in my life, I automatically just think greater of myself than I possibly should. And that's just full disclosure and, and just who I am. And then I need moments to knock me down. And God to remind me that you still need me, dude. You're not, you're not there, I promise. If you say, you know what, Pastor Ryan, I, I need to work on humility. If that's you, this, this takes... This takes humility in the first place to respond. If that's you, if you just lift your hand, one, two, three, and I see hands, I see hands, I see hands. Can I tell you that this is, I've done a whole thing on on pride before when I was a youth pastor and just talking about how that is the, to me, most things stem from pride, right? It's a selfish thing, right? It's a selfish mindset. And and, and a lot of our sins stem from that. Uh, So let me do this. This is the last thing. We're talking about humility and we're putting others before ourselves. If you just raise your hand, would you stand up? Again, this is taking humility. I understand if you would stand up and find somebody else in the room to pray for. We're putting, I told you, this is going to stretch us. This is going to stretch us. You don't have to go far. I'm not asking you to go all the way across the room and exchange numbers and, and, and stories and whatnot. I'm just asking you to be, just to be vulnerable in this moment. Say, God, I, I'm going to pray for somebody else. They could be right next to you, and that's fine. That's fine. They could be right near you. I'm, I'm not asking you to walk everywhere, but let's pray. Because you know what? I'm in this group as well, okay? I'm responding to this with you, fair enough? So let's pray. Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit will begin to speak and work in our hearts and our lives. Lord, we know that we are incapable, incapable of being righteous. We are incapable of of doing what you've called us to do when we place ourselves first. And so, Lord, I pray that you begin to remove this pride, begin to remove this idea of of how great we are and how capable we are. And we pray, Lord, that your spirit will just begin to, to be poured out in our hearts. Father, that we will begin to remove ourselves from the thought process. 
God, that we will begin to place others before ourselves, that we will begin to see you in first place and then everybody else next and then ourselves way down the line. Lord, and I pray that you will just allow us to walk in humility in all things, Father, aware of the needs of others, walking in humility at all times, in accomplishments, in everything we do, God, so that as we lower ourselves, God, that you in turn will raise us up. But Lord, we speak out and step out in humility, not for gain from you, but we step out in humility so that you may be glorified, so that others may be lifted up, so that your will can go forward, so that what you are accomplishing, Lord, can move beyond the walls of our heart and beyond the walls of our homes and beyond the walls of our church, but God, into our city, Lord, and into our nation, God, that the love of Jesus will overflow because we step out in humility. And so, God, I pray that we begin to shatter and break the walls and the chains of pride. God, that you step in, Father, because when you walk into the room, Lord, things begin to change. When you walk into the room, God, Lord, ideas and notions and and, and pride begins to fall, Lord, because we have to recognize you as God. And so, Lord, we step aside and we say, Lord, we place you first. We place others before ourselves. And we step out and we walk in humility. We walk in humility with love for one another, with love for one another. And we thank you, God. We thank you, Lord, for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. Lord, we thank you that you gave your son to die for us so that we might have salvation. We praise you for it, God. We give you glory. We give you honor for it in Jesus' name. Now, Father, I pray over every person here today, God, that as we go forward from this place, that your spirit will resonate, Lord, that it will move with us, that it will go with us, that we will walk in your leading, Lord, that we will walk in humility, and that you will bring us back next week to worship you together as a family united under the name of Jesus, and ask, oh God, that you be exalted through our week and how we live. And so, Father, we pray that your blessing will rest on us as we go. We give you glory, we give you honor for it in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen, amen, amen. God bless you as you go. Welcome to the Grace Hill Podcast, a weekly podcast of our Sunday messages driven by our pastor, Michael Norman. Grace Hill exists to bring God's biblical truth to your everyday life. As we begin this week's message, we invite you to open your Bibles and capture what God has in store for you today. 